Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, we've got a lot to talk about today. We have the president about to announce uh, that the United States is recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, uh, despite warnings from most of our allies uh, in Europe, in the Middle East, and around the world. A very big move, although one uh, that is a little bit uh, muted by the fact that he's not announcing a move of our embassy uh, to Jerusalem. We also have Don Jr. Uh, testifying on Capitol Hill behind closed doors. And Rex Tillerson in Europe announcing that uh, the president doesn't want to fire him, but absolutely getting a cold shoulder uh, from our allies over there. And Rick, with all of that, I think that the story that we really want to delve into here on this edition of Powerhouse Politics is what is happening in Alabama next week. Yeah, you're seeing President Trump at his most disruptive on the foreign front with this announcement about the embassies and during this this foreign trip by Tillerson and on the domestic front. His decision to ultimately come around and not just say, hey, don't vote for that liberal Democrat, but vote for Roy Moore. Roy Moore is our guy. Nothing has changed about the facts of this case over the last couple of weeks. All of the, the, the issues that were revealed three, four weeks ago remain on the table right now. Roy Moore has not effectively refuted any of those things. And we're going to talk to our man on the ground in Alabama, Tom Yamas, who's been tracking this campaign for weeks now about all that. What has changed is President Trump's opinion about this and his decision to say, I don't believe the accusers of Roy Moore over Roy Moore. I believe Roy Moore and full-throatedly endorse Roy Moore. He owns him, and then the the quick decision by the Republican National Committee to come around as well means that the Republican Party owns Roy Moore. Rick, I've got to tell you, um, a couple things have changed. Uh, One is, uh, you know, changed since that moment when the president was endorsing a different candidate in Alabama. Of course, that was during the primary. He was was endorsing Luther Strange. Uh, So what has changed... um, (laughs) Really is since then, Roy Moore has been accused of sexually molesting underage girls. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, yeah. it, now he did win a primary in the process, but <laughs> but 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 you know, back when he wasn't supporting him, that wasn't an issue. It became an issue, uh, and the president is now saying basically, "Go get him, Roy." He is saying, "Go get him, Roy." Exactly. It's what he that, according to the the Moore side of the conversation. That's for the conversation on on, on Air Force One. It, And it's interesting, John, because obviously the president has his own vulnerability with his own accusers, including one who had a court hearing just this week where they're trying to get the president to testify in a defamation suit that that stems from what he said during the campaign about uh, an alleged uh, sexual assault uh, by a a former apprentice uh, contestant. So all of this is very personal for the president, and so is the, the politics of denial and Deciding to believe Roy Moore, as we've heard him say repeatedly, Roy Moore denies everything. That seems to be good enough for President Trump. And the political realities that this is a, a perilous time in his presidency. He cannot afford to lose a Senate seat. And by the way, I think this is not an insignificant factor. You have Steve Bannon, who was with Moore at the beginning uh, and, and has stayed with him, out on the trail making the case for him and now trumpeting the Trump endorsement as well. It newly empowered, John, by the, the fact that Moore stands on the precipice of a potential victory. A potential victory, Rick. A potential victory. We'll see what's happening. It's, it's amazing that it's even a race. I mean, uh, Alabama is the reddest of red states. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen contradictory polls, uh, polls that, you know, from reliable polling organizations over the past week, uh, one uh, showing uh, Moore in the lead, the other showing the Democrat uh, Doug Jones in the lead. You know, the question did come up last week. I don't know if you remember this, Rick, but uh, 
The question was asked directly of Sarah Sanders, uh, the White House press secretary, whether or not the president would consider actually going down to Alabama to campaign for Roy Moore. Here was that exchange. The president is not planning uh, any trip to Alabama at this time. Uh, and h- frankly, his schedule doesn't permit him doing anything between now and Election Day. I mean, his schedule. I mean, Rick, right. you know how the president's schedule guy. is. I mean, he's, he's got a lot. There's a lot going on. There was no way that he would have time uh, to go down to Alabama to, uh, to campaign for Roy Moore. But then uh, three days after Sarah said that, uh, there was an interesting bit of news coming out of the White House. It turns out the president is going to be going uh, on Friday to Pensacola, uh, Florida, hmm. to do a campaign rally. I don't know. Have you, do, you, do you have a map? Get a map. Yeah, right I don't know there? geography very well. That's is that. Tell me exactly to, where that is. Roughly, uh, I think is that? I, I, if, I think it's called the Panhandle of Florida. I right. think it's called that. I I think it might be close to a state. I don't know. I I don't I don't want to I don't want to speculate about any of this. Is it anywhere near Alabama or no, is it? You know. It, I've heard it said they actually share a media market, John, which I think is just an incredible coincidence if you think about all the places that the president could find time to go uh, four days before an election in Alabama might be a media market where folks in Alabama are going to see him. That is, that's so, really something. So I, I got to tell – I mean, Rick, look, you and I have been covering politics in Washington for a long time. I mean, you're, you're a bit older than me, so you've probably been doing this for, uh, for even longer <laughs> than I have. Um, Fake news. But um, one thing that I have always found irritating is when people say things, officials or campaign operatives or candidates say things that really aren't true. Is that something that kind of mm. ever gets your back up at all? Yeah, I guess, I guess you know, occasionally you do hear some, like, half-truth or, you know, misleading statements that emanate from places of public power, yeah. Now, maybe when that was said in the White House briefing room last Monday, uh, it was true that the president, certainly it was true he had no plans to, to go to Alabama, but was it true that he didn't have time, mm. that his schedule wouldn't permit it? Mm. And, I, I, and, and, and how suddenly did the time become available to make a trip to Pensacola? A campaign uh, trip. A campaign, a campaign trip. event for a guy that obviously isn't running for re-election for another three years. Yeah, that is, it's, it's, it's certainly a, a curious one. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We will be back in just a moment with our man in Mobile, Alabama, Tom Yamas. Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring. And independent research shows five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, Indeed helps businesses find great new people every day. Right now, Indeed is giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your credit at Indeed.com offer. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Hey, this is Dan Harris, and uh, I want to tell you about my podcast called 10% Happier. You can listen every Wednesday for new guests and new perspectives. Some of these are people you know, uh, celebrities, athletes, executives. Uh, Some of them are uh, more obscure people that I'm obsessed with that I think you might be obsessed with once you uh, give them a listen. And you can hear about how they're using meditation to up their game in all these interesting areas of life. Again, the podcast is called 10% Happier. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and subscribe today. 
Are you feeling limitless? I don't think I've ever told this story publicly on the air anywhere, but I'll tell it now. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Are you a psychiatrist? (laughs) No. Each week, we're taking an honest look at success and how to get there with the boldest, most influential women in the world. Jessica Alba, Ariana Huffington, Issa Rae, Barbara Corcoran, Robin Roberts. Welcome to No Limits. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This is No Limits. We've got our man uh, down there in Alabama, stuck inside of Mobile, uh, Tom Yamas, uh, legendary ABC News correspondent who has been on the Moore story uh, uh, since it really got hot. Uh, Tom Yamas in Mobile. Do you have the Memphis Blues? No, I don't. I, but I'm, I'm very happy to join this you know, podcast, the Campaign X-Files, listening <laughs> to the uh, Pensacola conspiracy theories here. This is, uh, this is good stuff. <laughs> So tell me, how, how far are you from, uh, from Pensacola right now, roughly? Well, Pensacola, I mean, from the Alabama border where, where the president will be, it's about 20 miles. <laughs> and the Moore campaign has already told me that the president being there is going to have great impact on their race. He's going to be right on the border. In fact, yesterday, this will kind of feed all these conspiracy theories, yesterday there were uh, Floridians who came to the, the, the Fairhope event who were there to help Roy Moore because they said Alabamans help Floridians with the Trump campaign. So there's a lot of crossover because we're so close. Uh, there's no doubt the president being right there in Pensacola is going to help Roy Moore. And, and what Roy Moore wants, the only thing he really needs to win next Tuesday is for those Trump voters to show up. If he can rally the evangelicals, if he can get those Trump supporters, he'll beat Doug Jones. They're not expecting a large turnout. At least they weren't last week when the, when the Secretary of State spoke. But... That being said, we don't know what's going to happen. Doug Jones is really trying to mobilize Democrats. He's trying to keep these accusations at the forefront of voters' minds. But the problem is he may be a little too late, guys, to be completely honest here. I mean, this has been in the news for weeks now. And yesterday is when he really comes out strong against Moore and brings up these accusations really in a powerful way. But we know how this new cycle works now. And, and Moore's doing exactly what Trump did, which is a very easy strategy. It's just tough to do personally. Don't give up. And he didn't give up, and he's trying to run the clock out, and it may actually work. So do we, do we think there's any chance that he'll uh, t- take the little uh, uh, jaunt across the border and, 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 and join Trump? Is there, is there any—, is there any... So, so when I raised that question with them, they, they sort of found it laughable. Like, you know, why would he go to Florida? That, that, that makes no sense. But again, we're talking about two campaigns that, that are completely unorthodox. And the Moore campaign runs a lot like the Trump campaign, spending no money, a skeleton staff. It's built entirely around the candidate and, and, and his uh, cult following. So, look, they're, they're, laughing, they're laughing at me when I asked if, if he would actually cross the border and go to Florida. But you never know. It's the mobile media market. So it's not that crazy. And it's not like going to a foreign country, for God's sake. I mean, he's right there. So I, I, I want to I get to, and then uh, I, there's, there's a lot to talk about, unpack with this race. But you mentioned Doug Jones really turning up the heat on these accusations. Let's play... Let's play a little bit of what he said. I believe they deserve equal pay for equal work, and I, and I damn sure believe that I have done my part to ensure that men who hurt little girls should go to jail and not the United States Senate. And, you know, I mean, he's raising the specter of jail time, which is, uh, uh, I, mean, he, I mean, really going in on this. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, the, the, what, what we had been hearing from Republicans in Washington, Republicans in the Senate, wasn't all that different, talking about how Moore does not fit for the United States Senate, 
Cory Gardner, uh, who runs the uh, Dem- the National Republican Senatorial Committee, uh, had had said that if he actually won, that uh, that he would face expulsion or he should be expelled. Um, and we heard something interesting from uh, Mitch McConnell, who had said he's not fit to be in the Senate. He he suddenly is no longer taking a position on the race, but he's saying that his views have not changed from when he. He did say that he wasn't uh, a fit to be in the Senate. Uh, take a listen to what uh, McConnell says would happen if uh, if Moore actually gets elected. The Ethics Committee will have to consider the matters that have been litigated in the campaign uh, should that uh, uh, particular candidate win. So, in other words, if he wins, he will face the possibility of expulsion from the Senate. He will face uh, an Ethics Committee uh, 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 investigation immediately. And yet... Tom, the RNC is now back in, and they're supporting Roy Moore. What, what's going on with the Republicans? The, the RNC is back in. Look, President Trump is the head of the Republican Party. Uh, he made it clear he officially endorsed Roy Moore with a phone call from Air Force One. Moore said that the president told him, go get him, Roy. And the chair of the RNC felt that was enough for them, so they're back in this race providing financial resources. Interestingly enough, though, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, the group that's sole responsibility in life that exists to make sure Republicans get to the Senate, they're staying on the sidelines, as Rick Klein and others have reported. And Senator Cory Gardner, as you mentioned, says he should be expelled. He's the head of the NRSC. So it's interesting. But, but John, I, I, you know, I actually like, I'd rather ask you this question. Will he really be expelled if he wins? Will they go through that? The Republicans need this vote, number one. Num- number two, how much time is that going to take? How much attention is that going to take? Do they really want to take on Steve Bannon? I mean, these are, all, these are all questions out there, but a lot of people have races coming up. A lot of people have elections coming up. Do they want to fight this fight once he's in D.C.? Well, I, I want Rick to address this as well because we actually have a slight uh, difference of opinion on this. I think that, uh, that, that, that there's no way that they can avoid a, a, you know, an ethics committee investigation in this. And I think that there will be a move to expel him. Now, that said, you raise all the reasons why it would be extraordinarily difficult uh, for them to actually go through th- with this and expel him. Um, and especially given the fact that he, will have, he would have just won an election in Alabama where this issue was fully litigated. So the, the Senate would be telling the people of Alabama, you guys knew about this, you guys saw what happened, the voters of Alabama, and, and you elected him, and we're saying that's not good enough, we're throwing him out. That is a very difficult uh, thing for, uh, uh, for the Senate to do. But I think that the fact that the, the nature of these allegations and the fact that Republicans are very worried about being tainted nationally uh, as, as being the party that elected a child molester and that has a child molester representing the party uh, in in the United States Senate, I think is very damaging for 2018. A lot of them believe it's very damaging, and there will be a move to expel him. I I, I wouldn't predict that it will actually succeed, but I think there's no way to avoid a, a, a move to at least explore that. And I will predict that it will not succeed. So assume you get all 48 Democrats who are willing to go out there and say this guy doesn't belong. Just make that as a blanket assumption. You need two-thirds. So will 18 Republican senators stand up and say, you know what, Alabama, I don't care. I don't care that the Republican base down there and even President Trump wanted you to be in the Senate seat. We're saying no. That would be an explosive thing for them because you know what? There's another factor in all of this, Tom, and that is the fact that a bunch of Republican senators are looking at primaries next year. And who was down there uh, just this week campaigning uh, with Roy Moore 
But Mr. Steve Bannon, I got to ask you, Tom, what was it like in the room? He blistered Mitt Romney. I want to get to that in a minute. But even aside from that, Bannon could be vindicated by this if if the base delivers for him because he was the guy there from the start. How much of a rock star was he down there on the trail? Oh, I tell you this. He walked into that room, and and just to give you a sense of of how fractured the Republican Party is in, in, in some degree, he just says the words Mitt Romney and the entire crowd instantly boos. He didn't even say what Mitt Romney did. He just said the words Mitt Romney and the entire place started booing. This is somebody who was the Republican nominee for president. That gives you an idea of, of, of how the core supporters for Donald Trump and for Roy Moore view the establishment. He's also the uh, uncle of the was, current chair of the Republican National Committee, we should mention. Ron Romney It is all connected. It is all connected. You're, you're, you're 100% right. Listen, Bannon went in there um, it's the second time he, he's, he's done this venue. The first time he came in there unshaven, saying he had come unkempt, uh, somehow trying to relate to the people that were in that room. That was, that was sort of a strange thing to say. But this time around, look, he, he said he, he had a very strong line, which he said, if these people can destroy Roy Moore, they can destroy you. Essentially taking that page out of Trump's campaign playbook that it's us versus them, the little guys versus the big guys. He blamed all of this on the elite and the Republican establishment, and he took Senator Jeff Flake to task, too. First of all, you know, Flake wrote that check to Doug, uh, to Doug Jones for $100, and he put on the memo line, country over party, which was, you know, somewhat of a bold move. But Bannon called him cheap for only writing a check for $100, and he said what he was really trying to do was take a shot at Donald Trump because he's been against Trump from the get-go. Uh, so, look, Bannon knows exactly how to speak to these people. Breitbart was there. People, you know... I, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but the Breitbart signs that were made in support of Breitbart mysteriously went backstage afterwards. I don't know if they sort of travel around with Bannon and, and, and the Breitbart crew, uh, but they were there. Breitbart was there. They, they, had a, they were streaming it uh, backstage. Um, you know, this was a big event for them. And I got to tell you, he was very welcome. Bannon comes down here and he is sort of a rock star with these people. And I want to bring up another component, uh, Tom, that I know you've witnessed firsthand. Bannon made reference in that uh, in his campaign event to Mitt Romney hiding behind his religion to get a draft affirmment. Leave aside the ironies in President Trump and his bone spurs to get out of Vietnam. We also heard what I would view as just a blatant anti-Semitic remark from Roy Moore just the other day, in addition to a series of homophobic remarks that he's made suggesting that there's an LGBT conspiracy to try to bring down his campaign. How much has that politics of division, politics of religion, played into the appeal of Roy Moore at this moment? It's important with his core base. I mean, you talk to Republican voters here who they're against gay marriage, they're against abortion. Uh, some of the loudest cheers are, are when he talks about promoting Christian values, which, which, which he, he views as Christian values, and taking those to Washington. That's what really rallies the people that come out to the crowds. And he's campaigning in these small churches around Birmingham because he, he knows he has, to, he has a lot of work to do still in Birmingham. The outer counties, he's, he's going to be fine, in, but in Birmingham, he's a lot of work to do. So he's in these small churches, and when he says that, I mean, I mean it's, it's, that, that's what gets these people moving. I mean, he had an entire event with the, the, the anti-abortion uh, leadership from across the country. And there were, you know, uh, dozens of leaders there actively talking about this. And for them, if this campaign wasn't about Roy Moore and these accusations, it'd be a campaign about abortion. That, that's really how Roy Moore, that and the Ten Commandments, how he shot to, to national fame. So, uh, you know, it's very important to them. And you're right, the Mitt Romney thing, I guess I should tell you, the temperature in that room, I mean, Bannon was livid. And he, you know, besides taking a shot at Mitt Romney's religion, 
and the reasons why he didn't serve in Vietnam War. In Vietnam War. He also took a shot personally at his sons, saying he has five sons and not a single one of them has served a day in the military. He was making the comparison that Roy Moore's uh, character and integrity is being questioned when he fought in Vietnam. Uh, it, it was a pretty – it was a very livid reaction to that. But i got to say, Kellyanne Conway was also on CNN this morning, as, as we reported, and she was saying how the president and Mitt Romney had a great conversation, and they both like each other. So it's really strange that, that sort of the president's pit bull goes out there in Alabama and, and it eviscerates Mitt Romney, and then the president and Mitt Romney have this cordial relationship. I guess it's politics, but it's really strange. Mitt Romney, the runner-up uh, for um – for Secretary of State for uh, for for President Trump, um, I agree with you. It's it is it is surreal, but let let me ask you what it's like reporting down there. What's it like dealing with the Moore campaign? How do they how do they interact? You're a card carrying member of the mainstream media, Tom. Um, uh, you know what's it like dealing with a campaign that has made <clears throat> you know that 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 has had a you know I mean you, you covered Trump because it's 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 a similar uh, vilification of, of of the people that do what 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 we do. What is it like, and do you, is there any access at all to the candidate himself besides uh, you know being able to to see him speak in these these church events? Yeah, a couple of things: the fake news media, the the talking and the slamming of CNN and, and ABC, NBC, the other networks. That's part of the, of every stump speech now of of. of essentially any, any politician that I'm covering in, uh, here in Alabama, with the exception of the governor, but anybody on the, on the Moore team that is running with Moore, that is campaigning with Moore, you know, they, they make a point to look at the camera and say, we're talking to the world right now, the fake news media is here. I mean, that, that is part of the stump speech now. Um, you know, Moore and Trump are different in the sense that Moore has done no interviews with campaign reporters that, 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 that aren't from a, a right-leaning news organization or a right-leaning organization in general, uh, whereas Trump, you know, he, he did multiple interviews, multiple days, multiple hours of the day. More, even during the primary, I couldn't talk to more. I couldn't ask him questions. We've tried to chase him down. He hasn't taken a single question that I know of. From, so you've had no interaction like said, with him. I mean, I mean, you, you've been covering this campaign for weeks. You've been there oh, through. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I listen, I, I've chased him down. I've, tried to, I've run up to him. I've, I've, talked to his, I've tried to talk to his wife. They don't answer a single question. This is a strategy that, that goes back, though, to the primary against Luther Strange. He's not out there. He's not I, – I don't believe he's done – I haven't seen a debate that he's done with, with Doug Jones. I'll have to check that, but I don't think he's done a debate either. Um, I'm pretty sure, actually, he has not done No, he did not. He, did, he was wondering the primary, yeah. but not the general. Yeah, in the primary, yeah, since, since he got the nomination. Um, so there's no access to more whatsoever. It's basically just what he says in public and when he talks to Sean Hannity, which is very, very different from Trump. But the campaign is very lean. It's only a few people that, that we know of. Um, it doesn't look like they have a massive uh, grassroots operation, you know, throughout the state. There are a lot of people that are very loyal to him, that have been loyal to him for years, that are traveling with him, that go to these events. He's popular enough where, like I said, he attracts people from different states to come and help him. There's people from the, the anti-abortion community that come from all over the country to, to support him. But it's a very, very small campaign. Uh, not a lot of money, uh, a skeleton staff. And again, he, look, I'll give you a good, a good example. He drove to a church event last week. He drove to the church event. Our, our, our photographer saw him get out of his car. The car had a West Point license plate. That's where he went uh, to school. And he does a church event. Then we all crowd around the car, and suddenly this woman walks out, and she doesn't know how to open the door or drive the car. She, somebody basically sent so he could escape through a side exit, get in a pickup truck, and avoid the media. That's how bad it is. He had somebody had, had to drive his car to meet him up somewhere outside the event. So, so, yeah, there is a very, very active 
uh, a strategy to keep him from the press. I have heard uh, from some sources that he does not do well in interviews, and that's why they're keeping him away from, from the press. It's not even to address the allegations. This is going back to the Luther Strange uh, race. They, they, they just don't want him in front of the camera. Well, you remember what the, the, the initial Hannity interview that was, that was so, went so poorly that Hannity suge- threatened to unendorse him if he didn't clear things up. Tom, well, that and he, he sort of he sort of didn't outright deny that he dated high school girls right. when he was in his 30s. Yeah. Right. There's that. Uh, so, so given all this, Tom, we're a couple days away from this election. F- finish this sentence for me. If Roy, Roy Moore wins this election, it is because of blank. Uh, I think it's because of Donald Trump. I, I, that, that, that's, the, that's the only reason why, why he wins this election. I mean, I, I've spoken to a lot of Republicans who are struggling with the vote. Even the governor, a, 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 a female governor, the sitting governor of Alabama, told me on camera she believes the women, but she's going to vote for Roy Moore because she doesn't want a Democrat there. That right there in itself gives you a taste of what politics is like in 2017 in the United States of America. That was an incredible statement. But she was truthful. That, that's the way she's going to vote, and a lot of Republicans feel that way, too. They feel very, very torn. But for them, they, they want to support the Trump agenda. I think the CBS poll had his, his, his approval numbers with Republicans somewhere upwards around 80 percent, if not more. I mean, that's astronomical. I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean he, he, he's getting close to 100 percent. I mean, Republicans down here love him. So if he wins, it's because of Donald Trump. That, that's that's my opinion. So I know you have to go, Tom. One one more question I've been wondering about, and I'm wondering what what you see down there is uh, about Richard Shelby, the the uh, senior senator from Alabama, a longtime fixture of Republican politics in Alabama. Of course, originally elected to Congress as a Democrat way back when, and 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 switched party and became one of the one of the most conservative uh, United States senators. Richard Shelby has said that he is not voting for Roy Moore. Does he come up at all? What's the reaction to that? Is that even noticed? I mean, what, what, what are people saying about Shelby? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one story. So right after the scandal broke, I was up on Capitol Hill trying to get reaction from, from lawmakers, and, and Shelby told me um, that, he, that he wanted Moore to see. He thinks he thought Moore should step aside. And you just mentioned he said he's not going to vote for him. Yesterday, uh, when Steve Bannon was running through the names of establishment Republicans, somebody started screaming out Senator Shelby, and then somebody else picked up Senator Shelby. And then there was, there was uh, I'd say, a small amount of booze kind of scattered throughout the audience. So I think more and more people sort of see him as, as you know, definitely part of the establishment. And you bring up a good point. He was the last Democrat elected to the Senate from Alabama. He switched his party, as you mentioned, but he's the last one. Um, and you're right. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it's tough to see even what happens with someone like him if Moore does win and what happens in the next race when, when, when Shelby has to run. And I think a lot, of, a lot of Republicans, John, I think a lot of Republicans are watching this and they're seeing what's happening in these primary races and they're getting a little nervous. And, and Moore said the only reason why Flake isn't running has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It's because he knows he would not have won his primary race. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, what and I'll tell you what Republicans here are saying is, my God, Steve Bannon managed to help to turn the Alabama Senate race into a competitive race. This is a race that nobody ever should have thought about. <laughs> the Republicans, as, as we said at the top of the show, the, the, the deepest red of all of the red states and uh, by nominating Roy Moore, managed to turn this into a race that's become part of the national conversation and become a competitive race. We'll see how 
competitive it actually is next Tuesday. Uh, but uh, but but pretty extraordinary that there's even a a conversation about the possibility uh, that that Democrats uh, could win or make this race competitive. No, it, it, it would be historical. I mean, it would be it would be historical. And I think, but the only the only other thing though that that is interesting here, and and you guys obviously know this better than me. So Doug Jones has a chance to win this race a couple of weeks ago, but he can't really run with someone like Obama, uh, Clinton. I mean, those those people are, are seen as pariahs in a lot a lot of parts of this state. So Doug Jones is essentially running as a Democrat, but he's not really putting that out there. And that's something else that Bannon and Moore are nailing him on. They're saying this, this guy is, is an out-of-touch liberal who's on the wrong side of abortion, the wrong side of gay marriage, and he's not even promoting that he's a Democrat. So it's, 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 sort, of a, it's sort of a fine line that Doug Jones is playing, and he's really out there by himself. I mean, he, he is, he's trying to win this race by himself because he really can't call in you know, the big names. He, he can't call in a Steve Bannon because a person like a Steve Bannon on the left would do nothing for him over here. Fascinating race, fascinating times in Alabama, and uh, and Tom, you're doing a great job down there. We look forward to seeing your report tonight on World News and beyond. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Just send the check in the mail, okay? <laughs> you got it, Tom. We'll see you. Uh, so um, I, 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 I got to tell you, uh, Rick, what what a race, what a race, and and Tom made a good point there at the end about uh, about Jones being alone. I mean, they can't even send him money. I mean, the the Democratic senatorial campaign committee they, they can't get involved because then it becomes like National Democrats are trying to, you know, take over in, in in Alabama. I mean, he's he is on his own. I think you would have to look very hard to find campaign literature down there uh, from, from the Jones campaign that mentions the fact that he's a Democrat. <laughs> I think that's that's fair to say. And look, this is the problem, the Democratic problem more broadly. Obviously, they're not going to win the House or the Senate through states like Alabama anyway. But the fact that the National Democratic brand is that poor right now, that, that you can't call in anyone. There's literally Joe Biden, I guess, is the one exception. He has a relationship with with Doug Jones, and don't don't look past that. But he, he, there there are no big guns. There's no national outreach, no national money. And look, the flip side, you, you mentioned Bannon managing to make it competitive. How do the Democrats lose a race like this? Yeah, I mean, how, right. how do you lose when the guy is out there with all of these accusations in this climate, in this time where everyone is hypersensitive about sexual allegations? The, 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 there are so many women that have come forward, not to mention the other extreme views of Roy Moore. This is a man who still believes that Muslims can't serve in the United States Congress. All of these things together still can't make you win. The Democrats are going to have a lot of questions to answer after Tuesday if they fall short. I mean, when Trump was endorsing Luther Strange, he said the reason was because Luther Strange could win. The implication being Roy Moore is too extreme to win even in Alabama. And keep in mind, he said that before any of these allegations were out there. A great point. And I throw in another thing. Tom, I think, answered the question to say Donald Trump would be the reason for him winning. And I, I don't think there's any reason to dispute that. Roy Moore was a known quantity in Alabama, but he needs Trump and Trump voters beyond that. I think another thing that Roy Moore benefits from here is the way that that the, the Trumpian news environment that we live in, the way that he has warped time and space around news, and the fact that these allegations happened three, four weeks ago, it may as well have been 1972 when these things came out. It is so long ago. So much has happened since then. So much of it driven by the president. So much of it driven by other events, other accusations. Accusations against major figures in media and, and entertainment. John I Conyers mean, resigned this yeah. week. And and Al Franken, the Democratic senators calling on him to resign, even even fresh today. So all of these things have, have intervened. Uh, and and, and it, I think it's it served to almost normalize Roy Moore. And for a lot of voters, it might give them permission. Everybody does it. Don't 
don't worry about it. Not to equate what Roy Moore is accused of doing with Al Franken or or, or John Conyers or anyone else. They're all they're all bad on their own terms. It becomes a muddle. It, it becomes, becomes a muddle. And and who benefits from that muddle? President Trump, Steve Bannon, and ultimately Roy Moore. Well, there you go. All right, that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Give us a review. We love those reviews, especially when you, uh, you know, give, 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 give four, five, six stars, however many stars you can, you can give. Uh, thank you for listening, Rick. We will be back. I, 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 can, I, can I break the news? Break the news, John. Go for it. Okay. We have a special edition of Powerhouse Politics coming tomorrow, coming Thursday, uh, with Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossy. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk to with those guys. They've got out with their new book. Of course, uh, two of the folks behind, two of the architects of the Trump victory. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.